Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house um, as your people. Lord, we, we ask as we have come together and as we know that we have many that are uh, traveling and are seeing family and um, or, or, or not with us today, but we ask for safe travels. We ask that you bring them back to us um, and that, that as they, they come back to us and as they're away from us, that, that there's a, a longing that for us to be together. Uh, God, let us as a body, as we are together, um, not be distracted by everything that's around us, um, but let us be able to just to focus on what you have to say today. Um, God, I, I know that uh, you're stirring in, in our hearts and you're stirring um, amongst the, 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 the people here uh, to, do, to do great things. So Father, we ask that, that as you're stirring that we can uh, be submissive to what it is you're calling us to do. And Lord, that we can just be able to... Uh, to be real in, in that in which um, that which we call life. So, Father, we ask that all of this is glorifying to you, and uh, brings honor to your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. So, how are we doing today? Great. Yeah. All right. If you have a Bible, we can uh, start out by turning to Psalm chapter one nineteen. Now, uh, as you turn to Psalm chapter 119, you're going to see it's Psalm 119, and then you start flipping pages, and it's still Psalm 119. And you're going like, to have that question, I hope he's not trying to go through everything today. Now, we're going to start in uh, verse 105. Psalm 119, 105. And as you're turning there, uh, just a, a real quick uh, bringing us up to speed over the last... Uh, two weeks, this is week number three, we, are, we have been in a, a series called Real Relationship. And in this series on real relationship, we're using the book of Psalms to, uh, to look at um, who the, the, the person and the nature of God, who He is, and because of the truth that He, uh, that, that he has, and the nature and the character that He is, um, that because of that, that we can know, um, not only know, uh, rightly about who he is, but we can understand what real relationship with him looks like. And, and we talked in the, the, the past weeks about how once we have right understanding, then we can have real relationship with God. And when we have real relationship with God, we understand because it says in his word that we can have peace. And I know that, that, that there are some of us that are sitting here today that your, your daily struggle is just with peace. I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. I understand that. But I, I love how I, I think it was uh, um, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis said that, that uh, uh, a person who, who pursues peace without pursuing God, um, God will not grant that because there's no peace apart from God. There may be that, that these times of, of situational justification where we can feel good in a moment, but the, the everlasting peace, the peace that, that surpasses all understanding, only comes from God. And it comes from the relationship with Him. 
And we understand, or we should understand, and I hope that we're, we're getting there if we're not there, that it's right understanding about who God is and, and understanding uh, His person, His nature, His character, that we can have that real relationship with Him. And then having that real relationship, we can look at passages like Romans chapter 5, and it says that since we've been reconciled with God, that we have peace with God. And therefore, if we have peace with God, we can have peace with ourselves. And when we have peace with ourselves, we can have peace with others. Last week, we talked about how this right understanding comes uh, from the rules in which God has uh, given us. And we looked at Psalm 37. And, and we looked at, at, at things like trust in the Lord and, and delight in the Lord and commit your way to the Lord and be still before the Lord. And understanding that those are rules that God has given us so that one, it can reveal to us our responsibilities, but also it reveals to us the nature of God. So when he says, trust me or delight in me or commit your way to me, that we understand that, that, that there is a, a solid source in which all of that um, is founded and is built upon a solid foundation. So th this whole understanding of this real relationship series, it's kind of it's building. So the, the, the first one, remember, it was the difference. There's a difference between real relationship and counterfeit relationship. Last week, that there are rules. This week, it's going to be the source. And we're going to talk about where the, the source, uh, um, uh, what is the source of the rules in which God has for us. Um, if, uh, if you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second, I don't want to abide by no rules. There's no rules. It's all about grace. Uh, you have no grace if there is no rules. You can't, it's kind of like taking an airplane and cutting off one wing and expecting it to fly. You cannot separate um, the, 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 the law of God and, and the, the righteous rule of God from His uh, grace and His, His mercy. Because then it just has, you have a downward spiral. And you have one run into one side and saying, grace, 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 grace. Or you have that one run into another side going, law, 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 law. And what happens is that there's an imbalance. So what we have to understand is that God has a perfect plan. And God reveals His perfect plan uh, to us. So, uh, with that, we're going to look at uh, Psalm 119. Verse 105. Um, and we, to, to be 100% honest, hey, let's do this. For the fact that we, that we do cover, I want to look at, at 105 through 112. Let me, just, let me just read those verses. But uh, to be 100% honest, we're going to just focus really on 105. But because I believe as we read 105 and then we read down through that, it just is reinforcing the point over and over and over again. And some of you, some of my, my, uh, my, my students in here were going to say, wait a second, the whole chapter of Psalm 119 is all about the law of God and about the Word of God. You're 100% right. It is. That's, that's what the, the, this whole chapter is, is about. But let's look, because we don't have time to go through the entire chapter today. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are my joy, or they are the joy of my heart. 
I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Now, as we, as we look at this, that first uh, uh, part of the, 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 the first verse there in, in 105, when it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As I was um, bringing this all together, and um, actually as God was stirring this all up in me this week, um, th- this understanding of the difference between dark and light, it, it just continually is you know, running through my mind. And, and, and for some of you, some of you are sitting in here and, and saying, um, Lee, you went a little bit overboard on the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the visual effects for the sermon. You, ch- you changed all the light bulbs in the sanctuary so they're brighter. Well, that wasn't just me. Mike was in on that too. Um, <laughs> there is, yeah, yes. If you haven't noticed, we have LED lights in here. So uh, we are saving electricity, but also, um, as we've been talking, uh, there, is, there is something that is important about uh, when we come together, we're talking about the light of the world, and then I was thinking we're sitting in a dark room that we can't even hardly read our Bibles. Maybe that was just me because I need to get my eyes checked or something. But I'm thinking, okay, if we want, uh, if I'm sitting here and saying we need to really um, press into to, to God's word, we need to be able to see it. So, okay, so there's the light bulbs. We'll move on from there. But understanding, no, that this, this, that we, there is a, a a clear understanding of what darkness is and what light is, and what darkness is is what. It's the absence of light. So as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about uh, you know, different illustrations and examples that I could give of, of what, is this, what does darkness look like and then what does it look like uh, to, to wander or roam around in the darkness. Uh, one of the things that, that I like to do, and um, I know it's kind of weird, but sometimes I like to just navigate the church, I like turn off all the lights in the church. And I navigate the church in the pitch black just to see if I can do it, you know? I mean, and it becomes a game to me until somebody moves something. And like one time I was in here and it's pitch black and I'm moving down and I don't have the steps counted, but I have an idea of like where I'm at. Well, somebody left a vacuum cleaner. In my, and I can remember, and, and because I'm, I'm trying to make this very spiritual and all, and I'm praying while I'm doing this, and then I trip over the vacuum cleaner in the, in the pitch black. And, and no, I didn't say any, any bad words that I'll tell you about. Um, but it, it, it brought to, to, to remembrance here. Right now I'm thinking like, it's fun sometimes for us to do stuff like that, but the fact of the matter is, when we wander around in the dark, we can't see that which is ahead of us. And sometimes we're going we're gonna to trip, we're going to fall. Or, or maybe there, there are dangers that are lurking that we're unaware of. I had a professor in a Bible college that told a story about uh, when he was a kid, he was squirrel hunting. And when he was squirrel hunting, uh, it start, him and his buddy were out squirrel hunting, and they, they split up because they, they were squirrel hunting because they needed food, not just for recreation. Uh, so they split up to, to get uh, you know, more squirrels or whatever, and it started downpouring. It started raining so hard that they couldn't see anything. And he says that, um, that where they were squirrel hunting, there was this, uh, this old tree that, that, that fell over and kind of uprooted, and it was on the bank of this river. Um, and uh, he was, it was big enough where he could climb up inside of it to get some, uh, to get some shelter from, from the storm. 
Well, he says that he got up in there and he was just so thankful. Oh, I'm outside of the, the storm and it was kind of cold or whatever. He's like, so I, I, he had matches, I guess. That's what, what kids carry around in those days. He had a box of matches and he, and he pulled some leaves together and he lit a match. And when he lit a match, it, it illuminated this uh, little space in which he was in, but before, that, which was dark. Well, when he struck a match and illuminated this space, he realized that he wasn't alone in this space. There was a big snake in there. Um, now, if it was me, I would have been out in the rain just saying, okay, here we go, I'm going to stay in the rain. But no, it, it, that's a, it's a good picture of like too many times what we, what we have a tendency to do is we, we have a, like, oh, I'm safe in, a, in this darkness, but as soon as light hits and, and illuminates what's, what's surrounding us, we have a decision in, 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 we, that we need to make. Well, as we look at this text today, I, I think that, that we need to, to keep in mind just this overarching theme in which we have about relationships as well. Because I think a lot of people, um, we, we have this tendency to, to go into relationships, and I'm saying with one another, but also relationship with God, and, and, and there's a, a, a darkness about it because we, we don't want the light to come in because if the light comes in, it reveals things that need to be changed. And too often those things that it, it reveals are, are things that we hold on to so, so dearly, so closely too. And the fact of the matter is that um, some of those things, whatever that may be, are, are big pills to swallow. I was in, we were in our elders meeting this week, and this awesome tweetable moment came where, where these words came out of my mouth, and, and uh, I was like, yes, that's, so, that's just awesome. But I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, there are big pills that we need or that, that, that are to be swallowed, but it's the medicine in which we need. So yes, it's a big pill in which to swallow. Maybe it's something that is in your life that is being revealed, but it's the medicine in which you need because that is what is, is um, uh, taking your life and running it down. I don't want to say down the tubes, but it's, how about this? You're not living the life in which God has designed for you because you're not willing to take the medicine. And the Word of God gives us this medicine to, to be able to deal with those, those, those situations, those problems, those snakes in the cave. No one wants to have a snake. Well, other than Stephanie, does anyone want to have a snake appear in the dark? No, no, I, I'm terrified of snakes. You, you all know that. But the, the, these things that appear when light comes, what we have to do is we have to be willing to deal with them and not run from them. Not run from them. So when we're looking at this and we're asking about, you know, how, how does this all come together? How does darkness and relationships come together? Well, the, these relationships in which we're on, they're like journeys through life, Right? Every relationship's a journey. And sometimes we go down these different paths, and these paths in which we go down, some are more lit than others, but the paths in which we go down, nonetheless, are paths in which we must decide what we're going to do on that path. And having the awareness of what's going on gives us all the more tools or gives us all this more equipping so that we can make the right decisions, right? So when I'm saying this and I'm keeping, it, keeping us in, in this line of thought of our relationship with God, if, we're, if we want to have right understanding about God and we want to be in real relationship with Him because we do seek peace, peace with Him and peace with others, we need to understand that um, our, our way needs to be illuminated, our path needs to be illuminated. And this is what the, the psalmist is saying here. Now, it, it, it does not say, 
Some of you will be like, well, this is David. Well, it, it probably is King David who wrote this psalm. We don't know. It doesn't necessarily say. But this does sound like the, some of the things in which David wrote. So we think about the life of David and him running for his life at times and him uh, being at the highest of high and the lowest of low and, and him to be able to navigate all of these different things in his life. What he is telling us here, the psalmist here is telling us it is, it is God's word that directed him, that guided him along the way. And if it's God's word that, that guided him and directed him along the way, this is where we're going to understand and we're going to get our, um, our, our big idea for today. That it's revelation that cultivates real relationships. Revelation, now I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm, I, what I, I am referring to is revelation, meaning the, the, the revealed word of God, that is what cultivates real relationship with him. And that's what the, the, our, our, uh, our psalmist here is, is communicating. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Everybody in here has walked around in the dark before, right? And, and when you walk around in the dark, what's, what do you do now? Like, what, what is the first thing that you do when it gets dark? So say it, all of a sudden, all the lights in, every, in here went out. Other than just going, ah, what, what would be the next thing that you did? Get your phone out, right? Everybody, I mean, it, 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 it said, oh, got to get my phone. Why? There's a light on it. I mean, I think that is the most, you know, on, on the History Channel, it talks about the greatest inventions of, of the last however many years. Yes, the smartphone, I think, is number one, but it's the, the light app on the smartphone that makes it the greatest invention because you don't have to be in the dark unless you're one of those people that let your phone die and then you don't have that light. No, but as soon as it gets dark, you, pull, you reach for the light. It, just think about that. What about in life? What about if you hit a, a, a dark moment in, your, in, in life? And, and, and when you hit that dark moment in your life, instead of just reaching for your phone so you can tweet about it, or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, what if you reach for the light, meaning God's Word, because there is an app, that, it's the Bible app, that you can reach for that as well. But you hit this, these, these moments in your life, and, and when you hit these moments, you reach for God's Word. Why? Because it's real, because it's reliable, and because it's relevant. Three things that I want to talk about in the next couple minutes. That God's Word is real, God's Word is reliable, and God's Word is relevant. Because I, I believe that, that, that we have a tendency to listen to too, much, uh, 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 too many other people and too many outside um, uh, uh, influences when it comes to the written Word of God. So the, the first one, the Bible is, or God's Word is real. Now, why do I say that it is real? I, I, I'm not just saying that for the fact that it is a, it's physical and it's here. Yeah, it's that, that's, that, that's obvious. You can, you can hold it in your hands, absolutely. But too many people, what they try to do, and, and I don't think, here's the thing, I don't think that, that there's any of you in here, maybe there, there may be one or two, I don't know, I don't know you. Well, I do know you. Some more than others, but I, I, I don't know. I don't think that anybody in here is saying, no, the Bible's not real. But what you do is you listen to lies about the Bible, and you don't know how to react to those, Bible, those, those lies about the Bible. And three of the, the, the greatest lies when it comes to uh, that is this. Uh, 
the Bible is fairy tale, it's fable, or it's just mythology. Those are the three main ones when people say, well, you know, it, yeah, you know, yes, there's, a, there's this, this written, these words and everything, but eh, they're just a bunch of fairy tales. Or, yeah, they're just a bunch of fables, like Aesop's fables, right? Some will even go to the extent, well, yeah, they're not really fairy tales, but they're not really fables. They're, they're elevated a little bit. It's more like mythology. Because mythology, everybody, just because they teach that in university, that that must be a legit religion. It's a, it's a, re, a legit way of thinking about uh, sacred literature. Well, the fact of the matter is that the Bible is not fairy tale, fable, or mythology. And, and unlike the, the, the greatest one there, I think, uh, the, unlike mythology there or the others, um, the Bible is written with a historical framework. And there's actual history that is involved in these, uh, that's contained with inside of these 66 books of uh, what we call the Holy Bible. And being that it is not mythology and that there's this historical framework and there is historicity to the Bible, that you can go to these places that is talked about with inside the Bible. There have been whole civilizations that for years... People are like, well, there's no such thing as the Hittites. Well, until archaeology discovered a whole Hittite civilization, and then the, the people were, were, that were using, well, there's no such thing as Hittites, so if the, if the Hittites were, or, or there's no such thing as, them, as, as that people, then the Old Testament is, you know, that we can throw that away because it's just talking about people who don't exist. Well, until they prove that the uh, Hittites do exist. And then their whole, civiliza their whole civilization and what they learn about them just kind of explodes. I, I love, I heard a preacher say that every time the shovel goes into the ground, it does not disprove uh, the Bible, but proves the Bible more and more and more. Not as, as if the Bible needs more proof to be God's Word, but when uh, science, sciences are trying to disprove uh, the Word of God, what, what science actually does, and this is why we should not fear science, what science actually does, proven science, not just hypothesis, right? What science actually does is confirms that in which God has already said. It's just a beautiful thing. So the Bible is real. Now, in these confirming of sciences, you can go down through, and I put a list, like biology and geology and astronomy and archaeology. You can go through all of these. And for the sake of time, I don't want to go into each one of these. Because I, I think that, that we can have a tendency to try to um, build this argument as we have to uh, uh, support the Bible like as if it needs our support. Uh, no, what the Bible needs is like what Charles Spurgeon says. The Bible, or, or he says the Word of God is like a lion that's caged up. All we got to do is open the cage. Open the cage and let the, 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 the Word of God speak. And when I think about that, I think about, okay, so the Bible is real, and I know that it is, and I, and I, I believe that you believe that it is real as well. The most, uh, or, or, or the greatest proof of this, the, the realness of the reality of Scripture is, some people would say, well, this is a subjective one, but no, the greatest proof is the objective truth of the transformed lives because of the truth that's contained inside of it. No other sacred book in all of human history, ha has had the result of the transformation of lives as the truths of Scripture has. Why is that? Because only the Word of God is uh, breathed out by God, as we'll talk about in a second. And it's through the truths of Scripture that your life can be transformed. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of the mind. God wants us to think. And when He wants us to think about things, He wants us to think rightly about Him. Therefore, when we think rightly about Him, we can be in relationship with Him and we can say, man, this is real. This is not just something that we come together and we hoopla and rah-rah on Sunday. This is how God designed us to be. To be in relationship with Him and in relationship with, with one another. Is it going to be messy sometimes? Yes. Anytime you get people together, there's going to be a mess. Especially if you get church folk together. There's always going to be a mess. Because usually it starts with the guy who stands up front. Right? Because he's the one that's jacked up and he's just trying to point us all to Jesus. But understand this, is that yes, it's going to be messy, but we have a clear direction. So when we hit in these dark times... We could take God's Word, and as the psalmist says, it's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We could see the direction in which we are to go. So the Bible is real. The second one, the Bible is reliable. Um, how can I say that the Bible is reliable? I, I, I just alluded to this a second ago. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 gives us the, the, the clear reason why... The Bible is reliable. Verse 16. All Scripture, not just some, not just portions, not just the buffet approach, right? All Scripture. Wait a second. What is that? Hey, hey, Jake, what does all mean in the Greek? Oh, okay. Thank you. All Scripture. And I love that all too because it says, for all have sinned, right? And fall short of the glory of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. So, so stop for a second. What, what does that mean? That, 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 that same word of breathed out, it's, just think about it. It's the breath of God. Who is the breath of God? The Holy Spirit. It says it's breathed out by God. So all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, that's not just the, uh, a, 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 a guys only. No, that's man and woman. That, that, that us, that we, people of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. Why is the Bible reliable? Because the very words that are written down are without error. Because they are breathed out by God. Here, here's another one for you. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. I was reading an article this, uh, it was a couple weeks ago or something that, that, that was talking about preaching. Because I'm always trying to, you know, we're, everybody's trying to get better at what they do, no matter what your job is and everything. So I was reading this article, and in this article, this guy says, um, all, if, you, if you read a bunch of scriptures when you're preaching, all you're doing is showing how smart you are because the people really don't care about how many scriptures that you read. They just want some application for their life. You know what I did? Delete. Without reading Scripture, what does the pre a real preacher have, right? Just a bunch of opinions. And those are like other things. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Why is this... Why is this, the Word of God, why is it reliable? 
Because it's breathed out by God. It is written by God. Yes, human authors penned it. But it says that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And yes, and and this is what I love. The Holy Spirit didn't intrude. The Holy Spirit uh, took the the different uh, nuances and characteristics and and the, the mannerisms of the human authors, and you see them in the text. But nonetheless, the truths of God that are communicated come, come straight from or directly from God Himself by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So when we're asking the question, like, or we're, we're, I should say when we're making the statement that you know, the Bible is reliable, it's because it's breathed out by God. It's because that He is the author of it. Yes, there are, there are over 40 human authors that make up are 66 books of the Bible, right? There are over 40 authors that, that, that ranged a, a time span of over 1,500 years that was written on three different continents in three different language, languages. But over that, all of that, it comes down to one unifying message. We couldn't sit in a room and write one book together right now without somebody spitting the bit, without somebody taking it their own way, let alone over a span, I'm not even saying 15 minutes, I'm saying 1,500 years, we don't even know, we can't fathom how long that is, but over that span, there's one central message, and that central message is all about the restoration and the redeeming of God's creation to be in relationship with Himself. So, so just think about the reliability. Why, is that, the, the, why, do we have, why can we say that the Bible is, is reliable? Because it's God's very words. So when, and, and, and this might be one of those times I step on your some toes, I don't know, but when you have a man who says that he supersedes or is superior to or has authority over Scripture, you know what that man is? Wrong. So I, I was waiting for somebody to say the Pope. But, you're, you're, but, but, but think about that. There is no authority over Scripture. Why is there no authority over Scripture? Because no one trumps God. We try to. But we have to be, we have to be reminded, wait a second, this is God's Word. Not Lee's Word. Not Joey's word. No, this is God's word. These are the words that were breathed out by the creator of the universe. That's why it's reliable. The third one. The Bible is relevant. Now, this is where I think a lot of people gravitate towards because they're going to say, yes, it's real. Yes, it's reliable. But you know what? I don't know how relevant it is for today. Well, because that was written, you know, so many thousands of years ago. How can it really be relevant for today? Hebrews 4, verse 12. This is, this is one of those ones that, that, that you need to, if you write in your Bible, highlight, highlight, underline, circle, whatever you do. Because Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 12 tells us why this is relevant for today. For the Word of God is old and archaic, and it's dull, and it just... Oh no, yours doesn't say that? Neither does mine. 
Neither do, I know the screen does it. You know the screen's right. It's kind of like what's on TV, right? <laughs> or Google. No, the, it says here, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How can we say, well, I don't think it's relevant for today? If you say that it is not relevant for today, you're, you're missing out on the, the, one of the, the greatest, greatest purposes for God's revealed word to his creation. It's to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's all about heart. It's all about what's going on. Yes, God cares about your physical being, and I think that we pray for that, and I think we're very clear on that. But God truly cares about is your heart. It's always a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. When you're dealing with something in, in your life, whether it be loss, whether it, it, it uh, be addiction, whether it be um, a situation at work, what, whatever it be, maybe it's a conflict in marriage, whatever, it's always a heart issue. And when we don't get to the root of the problem, when we don't get let the, 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 the heart be penetrated, there's not going to be any real transformation that takes place. And the only thing, the only one who can penetrate the heart at the deepest level is the Holy Spirit. And He does that by the Word of God. The Spirit of God through the Word of God and the people of God. All for God's glory. So when we, we look at this, how is, is, is the Bible relevant for today? It's because it is living and is active. One uh, theologian says that it is the rule of faith and conduct through which Christ exercises His divine authority in the lives of Christians. It's how, it's how Jesus comes into your life and says, this is the way it needs to be. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes through the Word of Christ. Romans 10.17, you can write that one down. Understanding that it, 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 that's how Christ communicates to us. Does the Spirit come upon us, and can we experience Him through interaction with other people? Y yes, to some extent. Because there, there, if, if not, there's no reason why we should come together. But what we have to understand is when we come together, we're stirring one another up for, for uh, um, love and good works. And those love and good works, remember, it all comes back from when in, in 2 Timothy 3, it says that it's the Word of God that is breathed out to, so that we can do all of that. I, I don't know. Some, somebody in here, I'm sure not even just one, many people were sitting here like, there's an area of my life that I want to change and I've done everything that I can. Or maybe you're like, I just don't know what to do. Well, instead of roaming around in the dark and trying to figure it out on your own, what does God say about it? What, 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 is, what does He say? It, it, are you trying to walk the path with your eyes closed, or you walking the path in the dark? And it says, it, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why do we try so hard just to go through life? And we try to do it our own way when we, ha we, we have the source in which we need right here in front of us. When we, when we say these things, now, when I say the Bible is real and the Bible is reliable and the Bible is relevant, this, this quote came not to me. I, I read it and it just popped out. And it says that, that the most significant component of, uh, of this revelation, meaning the Bible, is the story of our separation from God by sin and God's provision for restoration of fellowship through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. 
you do not get that truth, you do not get that story and that power and authority that goes with it outside of the Bible. What I'm saying is no one came up with that on their own. God breathed that out. That's how it's communicated to us. So when we're thinking about how is it relevant, it's relevant because we are separated from God at birth. We are born into sin. And here's one thing. I heard a preacher say this week that when you're in sin, it's not that you can't do good. So it's not that, that those who are in sin can't do good. Because we look around all the time and we see, I'm going to use the, the, the air quotes here, bad people doing good things, right? We see non-Christians doing good things and, and their quote is like, well, you don't have to be a Christian to do good things. You're absolutely right. It's not about that you can't do good when you're not a believer in Christ. It's that you can't stop doing bad. There's a difference there. When we enter into that relationship with God through His Son, we then have the ability to not do those bad things. And when I say those bad things, whatever that sin is, you can have victory over that sin because of what He's done. So when we're talking about relevance, what is more relevant than looking at the fact that I'm separated from God and the only thing that, that, that can make me be in right relationship with God is what, what Christ has done on the cross. And, and, and by what Christ has done on the cross, I need to, to make this decision. Am I going to trust in Him for that so I can be in relationship with God? Or am I just going to keep trying to do it on my own? How, how much more relevant can we, can we see that the Bible is? Because that question, are, are, are you... With God, are you without Him? Are you trusting Christ for your eternity? Or are you trying to just do it on your own? Have you given that, whatever that sin is in your life, over to God? Or are you trying to just, I'm trying to do my best? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I want to end with this, because I know I went a little bit long, but we have nice air conditioning in here, so you all are okay with that, right? Here's, what here's my thought. As I was going through this, I, I don't think that there's anybody in here, and I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anybody in here saying that any one of those three truths that I said, nope, they're not right. Nope, that they're wrong. I would believe that everybody in here would say, yeah, the Bible is real. Yeah, the Bible is, is uh, reliable. Yeah, the Bible is relevant. I would believe that. And I would, when you tell me that, I would believe that you told me that. And then I would ask this question. Well, if those three things are true, shouldn't our lives be shaped by those truths? Because it's easy. It's easy to say, yes, I believe that. Yes, that is true. But then, oh, wait a second. If I say I believe that, I've got to, I've got to act that way? I've got to, my life's got to be different? You mean if I say I believe in Jesus, it means I can't live in this, the, the, the sinful state in which I'm in? You mean I got to, things got to change? If, that, if, you're, if you have those questions, you need to, 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 to reverse a little bit and say, wait a second, are you truly believing that or are you just acknowledging that? Because you, you've heard me say this and I love this line. You, you've heard me say there's a lot of people that, uh, that believe in God. 
right? Lots of people, we know them, they believe in God. But do you believe God? Because you can't read His Word and look at what He says and say, oh yeah, it's a good thing, it's just not for me. No, do you believe what He says? Well, it's open for interpretation. You know how crazy that sounds? You know how many people use that, well, that's your interpretation. The Bible is very clear on matters of life and faith. Very clear. What we do is we muddy these down because we try, to, uh, um, we try to live a life that is contrary to the Bible, but we try to paint this facade on it like, oh, I'm a Christian. Instead of letting, letting the Bible read us and the, the words that, that are breathed out by God penetrate our heart. What we try to do is we try to justify our actions. But what happens when we justify our action, actions, all we're doing is we're sitting in a cave with a snake behind us in the dark. It's still there. It's, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to attack. We, we, don't want, we don't want to illuminate anything because we, if we act like it's not there, it'll go away. It doesn't work that way. Time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Could it be an element in it, a factory? It could be. It could be. But that alone doesn't heal all wounds. Peace comes only from God. And we learn about that in His Word. So, if we are going to believe these truths to be true, we must live as if they are important. If we're going to believe these to be true, we have to live as if they're important. Does that mean that there are things that we need to change? Yes. Well, I can go down to the church down the road and they say I can do whatever I want and believe whatever I want. and come. Oh, that, that's okay. That just because they, they do that, I, I'm not the judge of them. I don't care. Wherever them is. But what the Bible says, if, if, if we're going to truly believe and say we believe what the Bible says, we need to live as if those truths are important to us. Because outside of that, we ain't got nothing. All you have is a pretty cool pastor. It's got, yeah, I mean, pretty likable guy. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> We're going to do some uh, church discipline here in a second. Excommunicate this man. Um, <laughs> But, but I understand, if we don't have the truth of Scripture, and we don't live out the truths of Scripture, we don't have anything than just a social club. I like hanging out with you all, but there's a purpose in which we do this. Let me end with this. And, and, and I, I think this brings everything into uh, you know, full circle here. Words of Jesus. Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this. And, and I love this because I think that if, if we're going to say that we believe uh, these truths, uh, we must live as if they're important. Jesus was doing his, his, uh, his great work. He was doing um, a, a lot of things here on earth. And in this account here, it was right around the time of, of the uh, um, Sermon on the Mount. So he's given a lot of clear teachings at this time. And somebody in the crowd in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 27 so Jesus is doing all these great things and things are happening. It says, uh, verse 27, As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. So she was trying to give a compliment, right? All that you, 
Jesus, everything that you're doing is just awesome. Your mother must be so proud of you, basically is what she's, what she's saying here, which was a huge thing in this time, the, 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 the honor that's bestowed on the family. All right? So instead of Jesus really just rebuking this lady, he, he takes it one step further. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Just, just think about that. It's not all about the actions of what the things in which we do. Are those important? Yes. But Jesus himself says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and not just hear it, but they keep it. They let it penetrate into their life and they let it discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart so that that in which comes out is more glorifying to God. Because if our hearts aren't changed, what we can do is we can put on a good front. We can tell people we're doing great or we can do whatever. But if our hearts aren't changed, that, 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 that old nature is going to continually manifest itself. And that's not going to bring glory to God. Our lights, or our, I should say, our lives are to be lights to the world. Why? Not because we glow in the dark. Bobby might. But not because we glow in the dark, it's because the Word of God is in us. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word of God is in us and it just shines forth. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Neither was hanging naked on a cross. But are we able to live a life that is worthy of the calling in which we've been called to? You better believe it. Why? Because <laughs> God says, trust me, delight in me. Commit your way to me. Be still before me. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we thank you. Um, God, as we, as, as we just trudge through a whole bunch of stuff here, um, my, my prayer is that, that, that your word, which does not return void, does not come back empty, your word went forth today. And the hearts that were here and that were receptive to your word, that it penetrated. Because God, I know, I'm not, and it's no secret, but I don't think that, um, that every single time somebody is going to have this, this moment of, of, of clear revelation. But what happens is time after time after time after time, whittling away, chipping away of hearing the truth, Eventually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get deeper and deeper and deeper. So my prayer is that that, 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 that truth that, that, that went forth today, that, that whoever it is, or who, whomever that may be, uh, multiple, whatever, that, that it, it penetrated the heart so deeply that there's, there, there has to be a change. As Dan told us the other day, there, there's a point of no return. Like there's, a, as, a, a, as the Bible says, a prick to the heart. And because there's a, 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 a something happening there in their heart, God, my, my prayer is that they, they act upon that. Lord, as we finish this time together in worship and we're going to sing a song and as our elders are up here, um, give people that they need to talk some, some, some courage just to come up here and talk to, to, to one of the elders. If the, the, the snarky one is, is sitting in the seat that's going to look, I can't believe they're going to talk. Well, shame on them. Convict their heart. 
I don't know, make their nose start bleeding or something. Well, that's probably not a good thing. But I mean, God, just, just take away the distractions so we can really truly say that, you know what, I believe. I believe that, that, that God's Word is God's Word. And I want to live my life according to that because I want to be changed. I want to stand on the day of judgment to say, hey, I ain't got nothing to fear. I ain't got nothing to fear. Because you are with me. Lord, we ask that all glory, all honor, all praise, everything is yours. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.